This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello. A little bit later on, Jerry Scott is going to join me. She's going to be talking about the race disparity audit. Yeah. You will have noticed we've got a new theme tune, Steve. It's remarkable. It's Alistair Campbell on the bagpipes doing Ode to Joy. We put it at the end of the show last week, but we had such a good response that we thought, you know what, we've got a new theme tune. So there it is. Thanks, Alistair, for that. Now let's get to the news. Well, it's Steve. been a breakthrough, hasn't there, in the... In the our negotiations with the EU? Well, it, it deadlock, I think. Well, they've, they've agreed that Madalena Kay, who's an illustrator from Sheffield, can't go into their press conference dressed up as Supergirl. Well, that is a break for you, right? That is... Uh, I'm sorry about that, Madalena, but I, I don't I think, think you can. I think Madalena was on the march, actually, in Manchester. Yeah, there's a very nice picture. She, she's on Twitter. She's at Alba White Wolf. Uh, on Twitter, and there's a very nice picture of her with AC Grayling on on the march. Uh, AC Grayling of this parish, obviously. Is she the actual Supergirl? Yeah, she's the real Supergirl. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad we've cleared that up. So, all right, a, a, a slight breakthrough, although actually just deadlock. Yeah, I mean, it's ba- the rest of it is basically they are the Vladimir and Estragon of Brexit, aren't they? Just going, shall we, waiting for Brexit <laughs> with David and Michelle. <laughs> 
Uh, we're all doomed, aren't we? Um, That's a jaunty notion to start the podcast with. Yes. Doom. Doom. Well, you know, we, we laugh in the face of doom here on the New European Podcast. We do. Uh, let's do just that by uh, reminding ourselves of Theresa May on LBC. Here's a clip. Um, do you, if there was a Brexit vote now, would you vote Brexit? Because you, you voted re- remain in the referendum. Have you changed your mind? Well, I've, I, I don't answer hypothetical questions, but what I what it's I have... It's a pretty easy answer. I, I would I, be able to answer that. I, I know I would vote in exactly the same way. Well, I voted Remain. Um, I voted Remain for good reasons at the, at the time. But circumstances move on. I mean, I think the important thing now is that I think we should all be focused on delivering Brexit Absolutely. and delivering the, the best but deal. What, but you were asking what, me to say, how would I vote in a vote now against a different background, a hmm. different international background, a different economic background, potentially? you can't potentially. tell me that you would vote you can't tell me. now. So, didn't quite answer the question there, did she, Stephen? The other thing is, why wasn't she prepared for that question? Well, it's a stra- that's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, she doesn't do spontaneity very well, does she, Theresa May? No. She, I, I asked her a question when I interviewed her during the campaign. And did she say Brexit means Brexit? She didn't say Brexit means Brexit. Did she say she was interested in forming a strong and stable government? <laughs> she did say strong and stable, certainly, the first time. Yeah. Um, I interviewed her twice at the beginning and at the end, and the first time she was full of strong and stable. But she did say, well... I don't answer hypothetical questions. Yeah, that was she's got that one down pat. That that is from the database, isn't it? But she needed to add more RAM. She did need to add a bit more RAM to it. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, all right, she had the the terrible cough and there was a bit of bad luck when the letters fell off. But imagine what Margaret Thatcher would have done to Simon Brodkin yes. if he'd approached Margaret Thatcher. Yes. I think speaking a couple of octaves higher in his next yes, Lee quite, Nelson. Quite possibly, although we shouldn't we shouldn't suggest um, that violence is a good way to win no. political arguments. But did Steve. you but did you also see that David Davis had said <laughs> at the brilliant. weekend he said it's a good job I didn't get my hands on him. I, I would have might have killed him as a former SAS man. He is Gareth from the office. Very isn't much he? so. Do you reckon he keeps a little penknife down on an ankle? And they're always putting his stapler in jelly. <laughs> Uh, that was very funny. She was really flummoxed by that question. I, I thought the performance overall wasn't awful. I know that Number Ten were worried about. I don't think there it was, was that bad. Any worth going on LBC? But up until that, up until that Brexit moment, I thought she was okay. Actually, isn't that the right answer for her to give as well? I mean, I know it's not the answer that we want to hear. The answer that we want to hear <laughs> is they're going actually. Guys, this is a nightmare, and uh, you know the game is. Well, up. obviously she was never going to do that. To be fair to her, it's a really tough question. It is a really good question. I'm surprised no one's asked it thus far. Actually, yes. we're all a bit dim. Obviously, Ian Dale nailed a good one there. I, I think possibly the right answer should have been. Um, I don't know what the answer would be. Well, what, what would the answer be? It's difficult. I mean, I think the answer that she gave was probably the best possible answer that the Prime Minister could give, and it's but all the, very well for... it throws up some problems, doesn't it? throws up some big problems that she didn't go well, it satisfies, in hindsight. It satisfies nobody mm. and offends everybody, yet it is the correct answer, isn't it? Because clearly she... I, I, t- I took some encouragement from it, because she didn't say, as Liz Truss and Jeremy Hunt have said, mm. Mm. stupidly, no, this is all great and I voted Remain and yeah, now I'm... Yeah. Because plainly it is not all great. No. 
Um, but she, uh, but that there's says quite a lot belief. about Liz Truss and Jeremy Hunt, doesn't it? I well, think. the flip floppers are the other side to this story, and this is going to rumble on probably through the weekend. Are you wearing flip floppers? No, <laughs> it's not really the weather for it. Well, I like a relaxed feel in the Do studio. You? And um, yeah, so flip flops and board shorts for me today. Yeah, is that what you're um, rocking? That's what I'm. That's what I'm going for. So the flip floppers, the, as they are now known, yes, um, christened by me just then. Yes, um, Liz Truss. Yes, not a fan of remaining in the EU anymore. That's no. strange, isn't it? And and Jeremy Hunt also not a fan. Yeah, both cheerleaders for Remain not that long ago. Yeah. Well. I've been asking a few MPs about whether they've changed their view on flip flops or on the, remain. Well, on both actually. They've all they all remain very big fans of the flip flops. Good, yeah. Um, it's a comfortable footwear. Ideal for for Westminster. Yeah, <laughs> it is. The majority have said it doesn't matter what I think. There's going to be a Brexit. Well, yeah. it does matter, actually. <laughs> it does matter. As a politician. Yeah, it does matter. But it, there's another issue here about collective responsibility because it, it's almost... It's beyond collective responsibility, isn't it? If the Prime Minister is making policy hmm. that she doesn't believe in and then seeing it through, yes. she doesn't believe it's right. Yes. What a the world we have got... We've got to a point where the Prime Minister yes. is telling us that Brexit's going to be great, but in a moment of... Clarity during that interview, a moment of potential truth when we were watching her. Yeah, it seemed that she's not actually didn't actually believe that at all. Yeah, but she did sort of say it doesn't really matter what I, you know, what it does I really... matter. Yes, but I think it would be well. Yeah, I mean, it's a tr- it is, as you say, it is a very good question. It's a very good question. It is a very very good question. And I, I, well I'm done, Ian sh- Dale. I'm not sure he's we... writing in the New European, I believe, next week, and he's, and he's written for us before. He's many times. Yes. Yeah. And um, I, I think, I still don't know what the right answer would be. I'm glad I'm not her press man because that is a difficult one to... It is. Um, I, I think maybe she, she did do the right I thing. I think she did the right thing by her. And yeah. Yeah. But it is hard. It would I mean, have made life is... easier for her if she... Actually, it would have made life easier for her if she'd gone, do you know what? I back Brexit. Yeah. Now I back Brexit. Would have been easier for her. It would have been much easier. So I quite admire her for not doing that. I, I, I don't admire Theresa May for anything, actually. Are you are you allergic to any foods? Strawberries. What happens if you eat strawberries? I get a sort of prickly heat. A prickly heat? I have to eat... You know a prickly heat in the summer when you get prickly? You get, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but I have to eat a shed load of them. Of straw, A lot of yeah, strawberries. And I do like strawberries. So, so... Theresa May, it strikes me that these people are all like people who have got allergies... Allergy, bad, a really bad allergy to strawberries, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Theresa May has got a really bad allergy to strawberries, but she is committed to eating strawberries yeah. because 52% of yeah. the other people that she invited to this fictional dinner party in this abysmal analogy <laughs> also wanted to eat strawberries. Yeah. And then she's been hospitalised by a really bad attack an allergy to strawberries but she's now re- refusing to rule out eating strawberries in the future even though she knows they're bad for her Liz Truss on the other hand is a woman who is clearly allergic to strawberries but since she's eaten them and now they've only made her throw up a load into a bucket rather than going into full anaphylactic shock so she said she's going to eat strawberries for every meal from now on and Jeremy Hunt 
he's got a terrible allergy to strawberries and it makes him really sick when he's eating them, but he is blaming the French bloke who brought him the plate of strawberries yes. rather than the actual strawberries themselves. Right, well, there's a couple of points I'd like to make. Firstly, I'm never coming to dinner at yours. Yeah. Um, because there will be too many strawberries, but also obviously you ask your guests to vote on what they want to eat. Well, I'm a democratic guy. I like every meal to be a referendum. I've got very big larder. <laughs> um, um, but secondly, uh, that is absolutely the case. Isn't it, it is. I mean, that's where we're at. Jeremy Hunt saying the, you know, the EU. Oh, they've, they, they've turned me off this now. But listen, there's something else going on here. Let's leave strawberries. Let's park the strawberries. Yeah. Okay. There's something else going on here, yes. and I believe, and having spoken to lots more MPs, some of them ambitious, some of them quite young actually, about the way the wind's blowing on Brexit, and they are saying... Conservative MPs. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah. I back Brexit now. Even though they voted remote. Yeah. Or, it's a silly question... Right, because we're going to deliver a great Brexit. And why do you think and this I'm, is? Why do you think this is happening? There are shadowy characters in the background. Shadowy, yeah. Large blonde-haired shadowy <laughs> character. He casts a large shadow. He does. Um, well, no, I think he's in the foreground. But there are things going on to try and harden this Brexit within the Tory Party. Right, and. Getting Boris front and centre seems to be the plan. Right. And I think some of the MPs are starting to realise that Boris probably will be the next leader if Theresa May goes. And whereas they, two or three months ago, might have been happier to say, we're going to do our best. I will, you know, I still believe that we're better in the EU, but we're going to do our best to deliver a Brexit because that's the decision that's been made. They're yeah. now all of a sudden hardened Brexiteers, yeah. revving up their car engines and driving for that cliff edge. Hmm. Forward with Boris. Watch this space. Watch there this are, space. There are stories to be had. Mm. I can only tease you with them at the moment. Well. They've got nothing to do with strawberries. Nothing to do with strawberries. Just on the, just going back to the Ian Dale thing. Yeah. I think one of the signs that she gave the right answer, or the right answer for her, was that Jeremy Corbyn's spokesman, I presume it's Seamus Mill. Um, um, well, or one of his, one, yeah, one so Jeremy Corbyn's spokesman. Uh, it said, "I read this this morning." Scoffed at May, uh, and said her response showed quotes. She clearly has no confidence in her own negotiating platform. Mm. Yeah. Uh, then they asked Jeremy Corbyn's spokesman how Jeremy Corbyn would vote mm. if there was a referendum now, mm. and he, the Jeremy Corbyn spokesman replied, "There isn't any referendum in prospect, <laughs> nor do we support one." So. So it just shows what a good question it was. But the, the oh, question she to couldn't Jeremy, answer that one. The question to Jeremy, which I posed to him, in fact, very loudly outside conference a few weeks ago, was would he would he switch his vote and vote remain this time? Yeah, <laughs> he's a he's a that's that's a good question. He's a man who's no stranger to the flip flop, by the way. Absolutely. Or the sandal. What about Theresa May? The other thing in that Ian Dale thing. She was asked which member, and this again goes to a great spontaneity, this doesn't is brilliant. it? Yeah, she was asked brilliant. which member of the cabinet she would like to be stranded on a desert island with, and who did she reply? <coughs> Liam Fox. Liam, Dr. Liam Fox. Well, I think that's just because he wouldn't have to take time off. Yeah, he's not doing anything. Because he's not doing anything, so no. he could he, he wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't impact on any of the, the work of government. He could go out there for a prolonged period. He could probably build the huts and stuff 
for them to live in. It'd be like that Oliver Reed film. What's yeah, that Castaway film? with, with <laughs> Amanda Donoghue and, and Fox as Holly. Are we going to talk about the reshuffle now? Uh, and yes. whether there is going to be a reshuffle? Well, there is going to be a reshuffle, but I think what's prompted us to talk about this is some more insurrection. Insurrection? That's right, insurrection. Insurrection. Um, on the part of uh, Philip Hammond. Yeah, the quiet insurrector. <laughs> yes. Is... Is Philip Hammond our best hope of avoiding a hard Brexit? God almighty. He, yeah. well, he probably is, he isn't probably he? probably is. But once again... Shay Hammond. <laughs> oh, yes, we with his little, With his little beret. He, of course, this week has done a Boris. And he's, he has. And he's written... He's gone rogue. He's written something. We had a few rogue moments in the summer, didn't we, when uh, yeah. Theresa was off yomping around Europe. And, uh, and he's had another rogue moment in the pages of a national newspaper, as Boris did a few weeks ago. Yeah. And then went on to uh, give evidence to the Treasury Select Committee, which seemed to suggest something a little bit different from what the Prime Minister had been saying. Yes. He doesn't want to... He didn't want to start spending money on no-deal stuff, did he? Yeah. And then he was told quite quickly that... Yeah, well, within a few hours, he was nodding in agreement and saying, yep, behind the Prime Minister. That was at PMQs, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So there is clearly another Brexit fault line there in the, in yes. the Cabinet. We, we knew about that anyway. But we also knew that Philip Hammond wouldn't be the Chancellor now if there had been a successful general election for the Tories. Yes. Can Theresa May, I asked you this question about Boris last week, can Theresa May sack Philip Hammond? No. No. She can't do anything no. serious in this reshuffle, can she? So there are backbench MPs who are desperate for a serious reshuffle. Yes. They want... Some of them want Boris sacked. Some of them want Boris promoted. promoted. Yeah, but I think they would all agree that there needs to be a, a gutting of the yeah. cabinet, and if people are not moved around, then they need to be shipped out. I would out. support an actual gutting of the cabinet. <laughs> I think the backbenchers are going to be disappointed. Yeah, I think it's going to be deck chair, Titanic deck chair rearrangement, isn't well, it? Well, I'm not even sure it would be that. I mean, obviously David Davis is not going anywhere. No. Leon Fox is happily on his desert island. I think Boris is going to stay as Foreign Secretary. Yeah. I think Hammond's going to stay as Chancellor. Yeah. No one knows much of who else is in the Cabinet, frankly. I mean, Jeremy Hunt, obviously. But there is because politics is very focused on Brexit, there are some very big beasts in the Cabinet. And, and, yes. and a lot of the sort of middle-ranking ones just sort of quietly go about doing what they're doing. And yes. They've probably got their feet on the desk and... Yes, you know, not too worried about their jobs, but they, but so there might be some way to manoeuvre some some young stars in there. I mean, Dominic Raab, obviously, Dominic Raab. Yeah, I love saying a, Dominic Raab. Well, he he's um, he's a rising star. Anyone else? Well, I like saying Tom Tugendhat as well. Tugendhat, yes. Yeah. Maybe he's got. Maybe he will do a chance. Lee, Ledsom, do we think might get the old? Well, she's Spanish been Archer. Desperate, hasn't she, to get rid of uh, Ledsom? Yeah, Ledsom for leader. I'm wearing my I'm a mum, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yes, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Andrea. Um, I don't think she can get rid of anybody else. I mean, Liz, Liz, Liz Truss is not very good, I don't think. I think Liz Truss is, is wobbly. Um, I think she might. And there would be much rejoicing if Jeremy Hunt went, but it's such a poison chalice, that, isn't it? That the fact that he doesn't mind being hated by exactly. everyone means that he can keep the job. Exactly, he's ideal for it. Um, beyond that, I can't see there being a massive visual, so I think she's actually going to annoy backbenchers by not doing yes. anything very big and I, I guess that might disempower her further if she could be even further disempowered Yes. do you think that there is 
anyone she could bring in in the reshuffle that might electrify the yeah cheer up the public as well as the 22 uh no steve it's been a joy thank you very much stay angry fight brexit subscribe to the new european your first 13 issues of the new european are only 13 pounds when you join us and become a subscriber order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting podcast one or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk stay angry fight brexit subscribe to the new european welcome back i'm joined by jerry hi jerry hello uh jerry is angry again this week um, I hope this. I hope you're having to build up to this anger, Jerry, and it's naturally it's there. It's completely natural. Okay, good. I don't want to have to. I don't want the podcast to have to put its hand in its pocket for therapy sessions <laughs> or anything for you. But you're you're angry about well, not maybe about the risk disparity audit, but issues around it. Now, this is something that was trailed during conference. I think they were trying to find something that wasn't Boris to tell the, to get the press to write about. It didn't work. But it was launched this week. So tell us a little bit about it firstly. Yeah, I mean, so this is this collection of data, isn't it? It, it is data that's kind of already out there in various places, but it's all been pulled together on a website. It shows data about kind of a wide variety of things to do with race, to do with inequality. And, you know, I know these aren't new new figures. They aren't new challenges, but it is shocking. Yes. Um, You know, to pick some out, it's the um, last year... Around one in ten adults from either a black, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, or mixed background were unemployed, yeah. compared to one in twenty-five white British people. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, and you've got the gap in employment rates between white people and ethnic minorities. That's significantly wider in the north than the south. Mm-hmm. Black men face the highest likelihood of being found guilty in a court. Roma children are falling behind their peers at school. There's all kinds of these horrible statistics which show how hard life can be for a lot of people in Britain. Yeah. But yeah, like I say, these statistics aren't new, um, and so, it's not they're not new challenges, they're not new prejudices people are working against either. For example, the Runnymede Trust actually found that 44% of British people felt some races were born less hard-working. Yeah, yeah that's terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, and you know there are a lot of people saying, quite rightly, how are you supposed to fight against this kind of ingrained racism when you're initially on a back foot of people already thinking you're not working hard enough. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, there are there are all these really shocking statistics. Um, so the stuff that's come out has made everyone angry, I think. It has, yeah. And I can understand your anger there. But I think we need to say good on Theresa May and good on the government for, for doing something. Absolutely. But I, I kind of get the feeling that they sat around a table before her because she announced that this was going to be a, a, an objective when she first took uh, office, when yeah. she first went into number 10. Um, and I think she's very keen all the time to be seen as a sort of caring... She, does, she hasn't <laughs> done very well, has she? But she's keen to uh, move away from those accusations of the nasty party, yes. of course, which have hung yeah. around, thanks to her, for some time. But I, I get the feeling that they all sort of sat around and went... Uh, what can we do that's modern and uh, you know will help people to engage with this and help tackle? And someone just went, what about one of those website things? Absolutely. I mean, it's the next step away from being an app, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so what actually is this? What? So now we know what we're going to do about it. Yeah. I mean, this is actually a massive problem that a lot of people are talking about, that saying, 
Okay, it's great to have all this information in one place. It's great that we can see it as a bigger picture, almost take a step back rather than various reports. But the problem is, is this audit is an action. And Theresa May kind of, she said it herself. She said that people who've lived with discrimination don't need a government audit to make them aware of the scale of the challenge. Um, you know, if this, I, I keep saying it isn't new, but the statistics aren't new, but these kind of reports aren't new either. You had the you know, 1976 Race Relations Act, where, you know, things kind of kicked off. You had Lord Scarman with a report on race riots. Yeah. There's the McPherson report yes. after the Stephen Lawrence murder. Yes, and there's a great piece in the New European this week on um, Dor- Dorian Lawrence, almost 25 years now mm-hmm. since Stephen died. Absolutely. And then you've got the race survey at work in 2015, which, again, showed discrimination was alive and kicking. So we've got another report. Another one. And uh, for over, for more, for getting on for, well, 40 years now, basically, we've been having reports. And it seems that, I imagine there has been some improvement. I'm sure there has. But it's nudge stuff. It's not, it's not, there's, there isn't a silver bullet for this kind of thing. But there's been no great leaps to try and, um, to try and solve this problem. It just seems that people keep going, yeah, there's a problem. Yeah, exactly. And there were arguments as well, and compelling ones, that a lot of inequality has been exacerbated in recent years by policies that possibly Theresa May has, you know, been have been irresponsible for, not as not just as Prime Minister, but as Home Secretary. Yes. And so it's all very well saying that these problems need to be solved, but the question is how? Yeah. What are you going to do? And, you know, maybe to try and be a bit fair about it, information is power. Mm. And now that that's all in one place then maybe it can be a step towards some action. You now can't say that we haven't got the information. We've had enough reports and it's all laid bare in front of people now. It's uncomfortable reading, and rightly so. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully now that there can be this comprehensive government-wide plan, which is also what um, the director of the Runnymede Trust, Omar Khan, is asking for, um, with the goal of eliminating racial barriers, really. <laughs> I think that what the government... I think this is a this is a baby step towards something that we could all yeah. applaud. Um, but I haven't heard a great deal from the government about, and now this. No, exactly. Exactly. It seems like it should... It lends itself to that, though, doesn't it? It says, we've found this, and now we're going to do this. But that hasn't happened no. yet. And, of course, really, I think that the underlying issue here with unemployment for people mm. from uh, ethnic backgrounds and wage disparity and things like that is that what we would look if we were to look at the lowest earners and look at those that are in poverty there will be a higher percentage of people from black and ethnic minority backgrounds yeah, so absolutely. the real issue here is solving the poverty issue in this country yeah. you mentioned the fact that there was some figures that included people in the north as well mm-hmm. and there certainly is issues around um, more areas of poverty in the north I'm not saying it's completely obviously there are areas of poverty everywhere but there is an issue with that yeah so should they be taking a broader look at raising the level of income and the level of living standards for people at the very bottom would that would that in your opinion go some way to solving some of these problems yeah absolutely I mean you can't um, disconnect one from the other it's not you know, race plays a massive part in this and it's what this audit mainly focuses on. But that there's that word intersectionality and that's 
you know, there is the crossover to poverty, to low wages, yeah. to education is a big yeah. part of this yeah. and having access to education, good quality education. And that all comes down to funding, doesn't it? Yeah. In and various it, guises. And and this is a party which remains a party very much tarnished by cuts and austerity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so the other issue, I think, as well, which the, the Tories, and probably all political parties actually have to look at, and the political classes in general, is are they doing enough to attract people from these sort of backgrounds to empower them and their communities? No, I mean, potentially not. Like... Uh, you know, look at look at the people who are in power. It's not we're not talking about a gender divide here, but you know, you, it's it was still a shock when Theresa May was the second female prime minister of mm. the country. Yeah, yeah. So inequality in all its forms is rife in not only politics but the kind of upper echelons of all of our society. It's all male and pale. So certainly, there there are Asian. Senior politicians, yes. Priti Patel, Sajid Javid, um, and there have been for on, on both parties, but not a great deal of senior black politicians. No, and I mean, if you look at you know on on the TV when you look into the Houses of Parliament and the Lords, it's not representative of British society, no, is it? I no. think that's really the way the way it is, and. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to change things in society, maybe you need to get your own house in order first. Sure. So maybe this audit should have started within <laughs> government. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to to see kind of what those what those stats are. I'm sure they're out there. I just don't have them in the hand. But do, uh, do you think that predict that there will be some movement forward? Now we've got this website, uh-huh. or do you think that this is another, sadly, another um, episode of? There you go. We've done that. We can wash our hands of it. And if anyone says, "Well, you've not done much," we can point them to www.thetoriesloveeveryone.com. I mean, call me a pessimist, but I don't see any plans in um, effort really. Um, that I don't think that means that there isn't a need, obviously, or a want for change. But I do think it all comes down to cash, and that is not something that is throwing flowing freely at the moment quite jerry as always we enjoy your anger (laughs) um and uh, it's a really important subject so thank you very much for talking us through it brexiteer of the week welcome back it is that time of the show again when steve crowns his brexiteer of the week steve well some familiar names among the brexiteers this week let's start with katie hopkins shall we she's gone full like hasn't she the tinfoil oh. helmet is fe- uh, fully strapped to her head. Yep. Last Saturday, I was in central London. Somebody said to me, oh, this looks like there's been a terrorist attack at the Natural History Museum. Mm. As it turns out, a road traffic accident. The yep. police said, it's just a road traffic accident. Some pedestrians were hit when a car went out of control or mm-hmm. something. Uh, driver released. Um, and uh, and anyway, the, 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 that was the case was closed. Uh, apart from for, for Katie Hopkins, yeah. so initially she said sent out a load of tweets saying London wasn't safe, what terrible place like she normally does, talking down Britain again. Uh, one of her <laughs> tweets was, uh, "Dear tourist, right now London is not worth the risk." Uh, she took those down. She took two hours worth of tweets down, very unlike Katie Hopkins, yeah. and said, "Well, stay safe, everybody," but I'm deleting all those tweets now. She's had 
a, a change of heart. Oh. Remember... Flip-flopper. Which is a flip-flopper in flip-flops. The, remember, the news is only what you have been allowed to hear, yes. she tweeted. Yes. Uh, listen widely. Hashtag Las Vegas shooting. Oh. Hashtag road traffic accident. <laughs> was she talking about the one in London or is she talking about because the bus near me hit a bollard yeah no she was talking about the one in London can she rule out the bus bollard incident with she, no. she is basically what's going to happen now is that Katie Hopkins is going to decide whether it, something is terrorism or no. not 48 hours later Monday night she was on at the Groucho Club in London which is <laughs> you know I mean it was bad enough when you know, Alex James and people <laughs> like that used to, Keith Allen used to do their hijinks there. But it's it even more sense even in those days. Exactly. Imagine that coming, emerging from the toilets with a nose full of beak to see Katie Hopkins there ranting about terrorism. Anyway, so she said at the Groucho Club, an audience with Katie Hopkins, she said, I stand by the idea it was a terror attack. I don't shy away from it. It's my personal opinion. Right. My personal opinion is Katie Hopkins a idiot yeah and i don't i don't shy away from that no that's true but you know we spend quite a lot don't we on the, the government's official crisis response committee and maybe we should just get katie hopkins to say what she thinks is terrorism and and isn't maybe we should maybe she should decide whether whether we uh, call a cobra meeting well cabinet office briefing room a could be her yeah. front room yeah, that's right. And they could she all does, pop around there and she'll go, it's terrorism. She does talk a lot of cobras, as we uh, as we know. <laughs> uh, another of our favourites, Anne-Marie Waters. Oh, Anne-Marie. Uh, I was very taken by Kevin Maguire's column uh, in the New Statesman last week in which he revealed that one of his moles had seen... After the you went to Torquay, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Anne-Marie exited, didn't she? She did. Quietly, uh, quietly after the the, the uh, result was read out, and one of Kevin Maguire's moles saw her weeping in a car park. Oh, really? Shortly <laughs> thereafter. That's it. That I, I, I thought that I had got, I'd reached new lows when I was uh, eating alone in a Wagamama's in she Manchester. Was, she was weeping in a car park she, in Torquay. That's, Maybe that's, she'd been clamped, I don't know. Do you think the car wouldn't start, and then just before she was hitting branches <laughs> on the bonnet? <laughs> Yeah, um, she's launched a new party, hasn't she? She has. Yes, it's called For Britain. Yes, For Britain. For Britain. He's got to say it like that, which is good. And Jonathan, uh, John Rhys Evans, the scourge of the gay donkeys, the man who said he was another UKIP leadership yes. hopeful, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, the man who said his horse had been uh, the subject of an attempted rape by a gay donkey. Podcast favourite. Podcast favourite. He's also launched a new party. Yeah. He's called his new party Affinity. Which it's a bit like it's a bit like a team name on The Apprentice, isn't it? So Anne Marie Waters, Nigel Farage. I told you it's all familiar names this yeah. week. In April, Nigel Farage said he he was mulling over standing in Clacton on Sea, mm. and he said it would be a very easy win, and for me it would be a personal vindication to get into the House of Commons after all these years of standing in elections. Very easy. He yeah. didn't He didn't stand, did he, no, in the end? He, he decided not to. Brave, Nigel. <laughs> so the only test that we've had of his popularity in Clacton was last weekend. He was on at the at an evening with one-man show with Nigel Farage. It's still going, though, At the it? Prince's Theatre. There were 802 tickets available for that. How many had he sold the day before? I don't know. I expected eight hundred and one. Would you say, or well, maybe I, if you, I, I can see where you're going with this. I, I would have actually believed that he would have sold it out. One hundred and seventy nine wow. sold. That's really fascinating. It is really fascinating. Because it's also, he was, 
we the New European covered. We sent we did someone behind enemy lines. We did to be bored by Nigel and Farage. And it was a sellout. It was a sellout. And that was in Great Yarmouth. I think, I think it was in Great Yarmouth. Yes. Um, hmm. So yeah. So is as as Ian Faith, the Spinal Tap manager, said when yeah. when when Rob Reiner said, "Does that mean that their popularity is waning?" He said, "No, I just you know their appeal is becoming more selective." <laughs> and I think that's what how Nigel will be putting a gloss on it. Um, but the Brexiteers of the week, and I say Brexiteers of the week, are a group of people. They are the readers of the Daily Express. Ah, Daily Express <laughs> got very upset because. They have noticed that if you go on the BBC website, that is, and you're out of the country, that has advertising. It does, yeah, it does. The BBC News website has advertising out, out of the country. And because at some point, whoever had been, whoever the, this browser was who was outraged had been looking at the New European or had done something about it, um, the programmatic adverts that they were served up while they were... Um, looking at the BBC News website on holiday, uh, some of them were for the New European. Yeah. And they said, how disgraceful this yeah, is. The and then some of their readers got outraged. But I'm trying to... Before we get into how their readers were outraged, I'm trying to imagine how <laughs> this started. Because in between the Brex Factor and Liz Gerrard and Matt Kelly and Michael White, I think, and Alistair Campbell, we've done quite a bit of... Stuff in the New European, haven't we? And on this podcast, being very critical of the Daily Express. And it's almost like someone in high places at the Daily Express was feverishly Googling the New European and wondering how they were, whether they were on their holidays. I don't Maybe. know. Uh, see if seen it, to see if they appeared in Brexit of the Week. And then just, and then going, this is a disgrace. I don't know. Yeah, Desmond. Maybe anyone. It could have been anyone. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm a Katie Hopkins style conspiracy maybe, theorist. Maybe you are. Um, this is uh, this particular problem has caught people out previously, though, hasn't it? Well, it has. Yeah, people don't understand how programmatic adverts work. No. Or the oh, I'm scoffing though. Readers of the Daily Express were up in arms about this. Oh, I can imagine. I'm up in upset. arms. A- Ian W. was one of the most reasonable. He said, if this had happened. At wartime, they would all be tried for treason. <laughs> Adrian Thomas two, much better than Adrian Thomas one. He wrote, "The Brussels Broadcasting Corporation is a national disgrace. The people of the UK cannot be fooled or wavered." <laughs> well, he's right about that. And then this is from the Patriot. Ah, uh, I wonder what his view is going to be like. This will be much more considered. balanced. He's yeah. probably on our team. He wrote, the Brussels Broadcasting Caliphate oh. <laughs> receives, well, it's clever that, isn't it? Good. Receives £268 million a year from the EU. The source of this information, a top-ranking MEP in Brussels, by oh. email. Oh. This is on top of the £4 billion licence fee that jails British single mothers struggling to feed their children and handing them large fines from a company contracted to the Brussels Broadcasting Caliphate. So is there any evidence of anyone being jailed for a TV licence? I don't know. I mean, maybe in the 1970s <laughs> or something. Anyway. Anyway, with his impeccable sources and with a way of words like that, it can't be long before the Patriot is getting his own column in what laughably bills itself the world's greatest newspaper. So the Daily Express and its readers are the Brexiteers of the week. It's only 10p cheaper, cheaper than, than the, the Daily Mail. <laughs> 
Um, we asked you, the listener, about what Boris could do for his new job when he's finally reshuffled. There was there were quite a lot of good responses to this. There were quite a lot of sort of feces based responses, and uh, one of Ugh. our yeah, I know, yeah, and one of our readers, and, and I, 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 I've not brought her name with me, said he should work in a poo factory, and. <laughs> And I've got to break it to you, there is no such thing as a poo factory. Poo is not manufactured in a factory. What? It's, it's not. <laughs> it's manufactured internally by us. Anyway, let's go on to some of the, uh, to some of the reader responses as we uh, bought Poo Factory. Um, you've got a few there, haven't you? Who would he be at the Poo Factory? Well, he's clocking in, nine to five. Jane <laughs> uh, Thomas... Jane Thomas. Manure shoveler. That's, see, that's, again. <clears throat> he's had plenty of practice in his political life. Well, I imagine there will be, a, in the poo factory, there will be jobs for shovelers. So, yeah. So that he sort of works. Is she it? talking about a sewage works, a poo factory? What? Do you think? I'm not, I've never heard it called that before. It's, it's not got that on the door, has it? Mark Folgate, a taxidermist, stuffing his roaring lion. Oh, that's good. Not a euphemism. It's actually a reference to his speech. <laughs> Jeff Breterman, send to the DWP jobless, sanction him, direct him to a food bank and a hostel for a bed, then explain hard work will get him out of poverty. This is like a story, so if we, we should have started with Jeff, so yeah, he gets sent yeah. to a hostel, finds a job at the job centre in the poo factory. Yeah. Before you know it, he is chief shit shoveler. Go on, Steve. Tell me some of yours. Tell me some I've of got yours. Some, you, you've uh, got some. We've got some more. Nicholas Crosby said, "Make him translate all EU directives into Latin." Yes. James James O'Donoghue yeah, said, "Pointless is what he's doing right now." Said uh, James O'Donoghue said uh, he can play the part of Benny in a remake of Crossroads, which I did like. Oh, that's good. Kim Grace, there's always the prison laundry. <laughs> Theresa Lorimer, bungle in a remake of Rainbow. <laughs> Imagine his big face coming up with Zippy. Oh, who would be Zippy? David Davis. Oh, absolutely. And but you can George as Fox, then, isn't it? This is. I think this is a future New European yeah, cover there you go. in the making. Yeah, Theresa May as Theresa May as Jeffrey. Jeffrey. That's right. Uh, Ros Gorgie, uh, Chief Banana Measurer. Uh, Faye Love said he can muck out the unicorn stables. Can we mention that this podcast is is reaching ever increasing audiences? We have, for which thank you very much. We have before thanked the listener for listening, and we should do it again. Thank please, you for listening. Please leave lovely reviews on iTunes and give us loads of stars and on Audio Boom. That will really help us continue to grow. We can continue to bring you the podcast. So tell your friends, like, subscribe, and listen on multiple devices. That was another edition of the New European Podcast. Thank you for listening. It means the world to us. If you haven't already, go out and buy the paper. There's lots of good stuff in it. Not just politics, not just Brexit. Loads of art, loads of fashion, loads of culture. My name's Richard Porritt, and I shall be back with you next week. Thanks again.
watching it. No, I can't for that. That's a massive legal. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.